everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's degree in theology, and the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've known for a long time. We met when we were discerning religious life and we actually entered the Daughters of St. Paul together back in 2007. She stayed, I did not. (laughs) She has since taken final vows, made a full profession, and she is currently the vocations director for the order. It is Sister Emily Beata Marsh. Welcome, Sister Emily. Thank you, Julia. Thanks for having me. It's so good to talk to you. I love doing this podcast for many reasons, and it's lovely to talk to people that I have just met or maybe don't know, but it's, I think, a little bit better when I know the person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and we definitely go way back, like you said. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't believe that that was, so this this is 2021, it'll be 14 years this summer? It'll be 14 years, yeah, can you believe it? I just celebrated nine years of profession um, yesterday, yeah. Oh my gosh, happy anniversary. Thank you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, this has been a big week for St. Paul and I'm sure the daughters of St. Paul. So I can't wait to to talk about him and you and all of that. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself, Sister Emily? Oh, sure. So um, I grew up in um, upstate New York in a small town outside of Buffalo, New York, oldest of a big family. Um, and I was homeschooled through high school, did a couple of years of college and met the sisters when I was 16. I went to our um, our St. Paul Summer Program, which is a discernment program for high school women who just want to learn more about being a sister. And yeah, kind of fell in love (laughs) uh, that week and basically just kept coming back to visit the sisters anytime they would let me. Yeah, after a couple years of college. So I studied um, two years. I studied music and journalism. um, And then you know, St. Paul and Jesus were knocking too hard. And I, <laughs> I, uh, I finished up the application and, and entered the community in 2007 with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were in Alexandria for a while, right? You've kind of been all over in a lot of the different centers. Correct? Yeah, I've been, I've been in a few places. So I've been stationed um, in our editorial department in Boston. That was probably one of my favorite assignments, um, mm-hmm. doing children's editorial work. And then um, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and yeah, several years here in Alexandria, kind of two stints here in Alexandria. And it's a it's a beautiful place to be stationed. It's a beautiful part of the country. I mean, I'm definitely biased because I <laughs> <laughs> I went to school in DC and then, you know, lived in Alexandria and taught in Alexandria for a while before moving to Richmond. So it definitely is near and dear to my heart as well. And they are lucky to have you there. I'm gonna have you in a second. We're gonna talk about one of our guy St. Paul's letters and Yay. in a minute. I know. I'm so excited. So I'm going to have you read the passage you've chosen from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. Is that right? Yes, that's what we got. Okay, so when you are ready, go ahead and read the verse for us. Okay, here we go. So St. Paul writes, I am grateful to him who has strengthened me, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he considered me trustworthy in appointing me to the ministry. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and an arrogant man, but I have been mercifully treated because I acted out of ignorance in my unbelief. Indeed, the grace of our Lord has been abundant, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners 
Of these, I am the foremost. But for that reason, I was mercifully treated, so that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display all his patience as an example for those who would come to believe in him for everlasting life. To the King of Ages, incorruptible, invisible, the only God, honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you in a second um, why you chose this, and I think I have my my guesses, but I'm going to give everybody <laughs> a little bit of background. So Paul's first letter to Timothy is one of four personal letters to specific people. Um, so two to Timothy, one to Titus, one to Philemon. And then it's one of three pastoral letters written to people who will eventually pastor the church. His other letters in the New Testament were written to communities. And Timothy is going to be one of Paul's successors and an early martyr of the church. Timothy would have traveled with Paul on Paul's second and third journey. And Timothy would have been sent out by Paul with specific messages to other communities to evangelize. And here, this passage that you've chosen, we get a greeting and of gratitude from Paul to Timothy. And Paul explains his own flawed past and his conversion a little bit, which you can read more in, in Acts of Paul's conversion. Um, but this message for Timothy then to take out as he's going to be Paul's successor. And the rest of this letter contains specific teachings and instructions on how to organize the Christian life and live the Christian life. So that's a little bit of background, but I always ask my guests first, why did you pick this passage, Sister Emily? Yeah, um, it's funny because I always kind of glossed over the letter to Timothy, the, the personal letters, um, the ones to Timothy and Titus and Philemon, they're all really short, like they don't take much mm-hmm. to read, but um, but besides the greeting, sometimes they contain like really specific situations, you right. know, and you're like, right. okay, well, what is this going to say to me, really? I mean, right. Um, but over time, this this beginning part of the first letters has really come to strike me. Um, and I think um, one of the the biggest reasons is the focus on mercy. And I read somewhere that, um, you know how Paul always says at the beginning of his letters, like grace and peace to whoever, mm-hmm. you know, the Corinthians <laughs> of Galatians mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus, right? And I'm Paul. <laughs> the letter to Timothy in the greeting, he includes the word mercy, grace, mercy, and peace. Um, mm. So there's this like huge focus on mercy that Paul, you know, talks a little bit about um, in his own experience. Um, But there's also that beautiful line um, that to me is just kind of like the gospel in like capsule form. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, When Paul says, this thing is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I think over time, as I've gotten to know Paul, and as I've, you know, studied and prayed um, a lot with, with his letters, Um, I just sense how much Paul believed that and how much that changed his life. You know, having just celebrated the conversion of St. Paul too, I I think that is the sentence that changed Paul's life. That's why, you know, he, that's why he like changed direction on the road Mm -hmm. to Damascus, you know, quite literally, is that he realized and believed with every fiber of his being, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then immediately the implication of that kind of hits him because he realizes oh, I'm a sinner, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And not just a sinner, but according to Paul, the, the first of sinners, the foremost of sinners, the biggest sinner. And he realizes, well, if I believe so wholeheartedly that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm a sinner, then he came to save me. Mm-hmm. And my life has to be different because of that. So um, I think just that clarity and getting at the heart of the gospel, and then its immediate implication, you know, in Paul's life, but that it helps me apply it in my own life, too. 
Oh my gosh, that's so well said. There's so much here. And you're right. Like I think typically we're familiar with the greetings in these personal letters and they're very beautifully written, as you pointed out. I, I guess I've kind of glossed over like that the gospel as you pulled out is rooted in there. You know, we we always say that like John 3.16 is kind of like the perfect snippet of the gospel. Right. Like, like, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son and kind of, but but it's kind of right here too. Like you said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, point blank, period. Like it's right there. And had you not pulled that out for us, I think I would have kind of glossed over it too. Yeah. And it's, it is something too, um, to think about, you know, the letters, Paul's letters are written before the gospels were written. So he's trying mm. to formulate, like, how do we even say this thing that has happened to the world? And that's going to change, you know, the course of history, but also every person's life, you know, that God is now on earth and it wants to be present to us and has saved us from our sins. So it's, it's neat to see Paul kind of working that out and trying to formulate this, this huge truth, but it's also a deeply personal truth for him. That's a really good point. Um, sometimes I'll pull, I'll pull out like the, about the time periods that these books were written, mm. but I hadn't, I hadn't even think to do that because you're absolutely right. This would have been, and, and these, these letters very much, like I kind of did say at the beginning, like they are trying to formulate these communities. What are, what are our communities going to look like? because we have Jews that are now Christians and we have Greeks who have never been, mm-hmm. you know, never had our practices. So a lot of Paul's letters are them trying to get on board and get the, and, and Paul figuring out what we do need, what we don't need. And of course he disagrees with Peter on some of that. And it's just, it's a whole saga, but I love that, um, that what you go to go back to what you said, like there's the gospel message and then he immediately applies it to himself. And I like how you also pulled out the, the theme of mercy. So I wonder if you could maybe speak a little bit more to either Paul's experience, because I know that this is our week of Paul, as you mentioned. That's right. <laughs> but like, why do you think, you, can you expand a little more about like why this does hit so strongly for Paul and like God's mercy for him? Yeah, I think, I think it has to be rooted in Paul's experience. So um, like we were saying, we did just celebrate the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, and then actually the Feast of St. Timothy right after, which mm-hmm, is cool. Mm-hmm. And of course, the story of Paul's conversion is is so striking. You know, he he in other letters he will describe himself as like the blameless Jew, like he blamelessly observes the law. And I've been reading through a bit of the Old Testament in these days too, and and I'm in the I'm in the thick of like all the laws. <laughs> mm. um, and and you start to see like, well, no wonder that's that's how he judged his relationship with God because that was the framework of how mm-hmm. a Jew related to God was if you follow these commandments and statutes and ordinances gets repeated a lot, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the Lord, your God will look on you and will bless you and will um, bring you to this land. Right. So, so Paul, Paul takes pride in, in being a blameless observer of the law. I think because he wants, he wants to make that perfect offering of himself to God. And this is the way that you do it. Right. So when, when Christianity pops up and all of a sudden there are Jews starting to observe different practices mm-hmm. right and turning to Jesus and and for a Jew to to say that you know a man is also God that's like mm-hmm. the ultimate <laughs> mm-hmm. you can't do that you cannot do that mm-hmm. um so Paul takes it upon himself to start to eradicate this you know he really feels that this is an offense to God and I'm a I'm a blameless observer of the law I love God and I'm I'm going to I'm going to defend God in a sense right and this is this is how to do it so he he's trying literally to eradicate Christianity. And then his world just gets rocked because he meets mm-hmm. Jesus. And he realizes, no, they're right. Jesus is God. And the world has changed now. 
Um, and my, my whole worldview has to change because it's no longer about my blameless observance of the law. It's about my encounter with Jesus. And it's mm-hmm. about the fact that, you know, I, Jesus has had mercy on me. Um, and Paul deeply, deeply experienced that all the more deeply, I think, because he had this, you know, huge like roadblock or sin, right? That, that now he's, he's realizing I did wrong to be persecuting these Christians. I did wrong to, to be acting against Jesus. And this very same Jesus has had mercy on me and has called me. It's all, it's all right in there, right? Like Paul's yeah. call to mission is right in his, his experience of the Lord's mercy. And it's kind of all tied up. So, so Paul has this deep experience of mercy rooted really in his sin, not in his, you know, perfection or his blamelessness. Right. Um, right. So he really understands it and he understands how essential it is. And I was, I was talking with someone this week and they, they were asking me, you know, why do we hear about Paul's conversion so often in the Acts of the Apostles? <laughs> <laughs> he tells it this time and he tells it the other time and somebody else tells it this time. And Paul in his letters talks about it. And, um, but I, I think it's because like Paul needs to remember that because it reminds him of how good and merciful God has been to him. You know, in this little mm-hmm. passage to Timothy, he says twice, I was mercifully treated. I received mercy. You just can't get over that in a certain sense, you know, and he, he wants other people not to be able to get over it either. Oh, I love that. Um, So you said so much there. So last week, um, my guest was a Hebrew scripture scholar and mm. he was talking about Leviticus. So you'd mentioned like all these laws that Paul yeah. would have been observing Um, and he compared it. He took he actually started with Mark's gospel and the greatest commandment. And then went back and we looked at Leviticus and Deuteronomy and how um, Mark's gospel, you know, Jesus kind of says, he condenses everything to the love God with all your heart and then and love your neighbor as yourself. So we're talking about, yeah, Paul would have known and, and been very consumed by these laws. But then you're also talking about his conversion, this powerful encounter of mercy. Um, and it just makes me think, you know, later we're going to kind of try to apply more of this to today, like how sometimes we do get caught up in the laws and the rules and the rituals, which rituals mm. which are, are all beautiful. But if they don't have that personal encounter, then they're kind of void. And I think Paul certainly realizes that. I love how you said that he's constantly reminding himself of that. And mm-hmm. how beautiful if we would constantly remind ourselves of those moments and encounters that we have with Jesus, like if we would try to remind ourselves more of those personal encounters we have with him, like I just how much we would be changed and other people would probably be changed if we also were thinking about those moments more. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really, you know, Paul, for all, he's got all this bravado and, you know, he, yeah, he's like a big personality. Right. But he somehow is able to turn the focus always to Jesus. Yeah. Um, And he's able to remember that the focus ultimately is not on him and not on his sin. It's on Jesus Mm -hmm. and on his mercy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think sometimes there's a, a tendency to, well, you know, we, we all like to beat ourselves up a little bit, right? Like, oh, I could have done better. I should have done better. I uh, should is a very dangerous word, right? <laughs> right. But Paul, while holding himself to a high standard is still, he, he's able to hold both, right? He knows that, that Jesus wants the best for him, but he's also not afraid to say like, I failed there. I messed up. Yeah. And Jesus had, it's like a, it's like his, his failure and his sin is sort of this cue, you know, to turn to the Lord, to turn to Jesus and to, to sort of just soak himself in his mercy rather than it being a cue to, you know, beat himself up and think about what should I have done better? How could I have avoided this? Yada, yada, yada. And not to say that, you know, we, we need to do a little bit of that too, but, but I think we can do a lot more of it 
it being this cue to turn to Jesus and say, mm-hmm. okay, I need your mercy. You know, <laughs> it's me again. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I love Paul so much. And when we, you know, I was discerning and, and I continue to use Paul as an example, I feel like I very much still that charism and yeah. that, that spirituality sticks with me because I love that he is, he admits so willingly his flaws. And I don't think that that's something that we typically admire in characters. We want people mm. to, to fit this image and that they have everything together. And I very much, I've struggled my whole life of just like wanting to be that person that like looks like they have it together, you know? And so for yeah. Paul to be so strongly almost boasting that he is the biggest sitter and he is the most flawed, but then immediately, like you said, showing a mirror to Jesus that like, even in his sinfulness and his sins, like Christ was making him stronger and it helps him, those sins and those flaws help him cling to Jesus in a way because he needs Christ for strength. Like I, that's why I love Paul because yeah. <laughs> it's like in other passages, not this one, but he talks about like, in my weakness, I am strong because of Jesus and like the thorn in my side that causes me this pain is like what brings me closer to Christ. And right. I don't know, I very much can relate to him in that. Oh my gosh, totally, totally. Yeah. And I think, the, you know, for a long time, I had trouble relating to Paul just because, like I said, he seemed like such a big personality and I'm not really the big personality type. <laughs> um, but I, I also felt like, you know, he had this conversion moment and then like, okay, he's a big sinner, but then he goes and he converts the world, right? So like, right. how can I relate to that? Like, I never persecuted Christians and, you know, I'm just trying to do my little best over here, right? But I, I think that's not quite the, I've come to see, you know, that's not quite the, the view of Paul that Paul himself would take um, because his his conversion, there is something about that moment, but I think there are many, many moments for Paul, you know, and if a close reading of, of the letters will show you how how often he references God's mercy and and how often he sort of self-reflects and and you can tell that that some things in his life sort of haunt him a little bit and, and he's needing to sort of constantly come back mm-hmm. to Jesus and constantly make that turn and that reliance on, on the Lord's mercy. And, and that's why he's always talking about it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good point. I, that self-reflection I think is so important and you're right. He does it so well. I think he had a lot of time to do it when he was like imprisoned and being right. carried off. Yeah, no, there's something to that actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was on boats and being shipwrecked and imprisoned for, for doing what he was doing. And I think that probably was, you know, time for self-reflection for sure. Like, why am, I doing think. <laughs> right, why am I doing this? Do I really believe it? And then convincing myself like, yes, no, I absolutely really believe it because I have to go back to that encounter. Right. And go back to those moments of mercy. And uh, it's so beautiful. Something else that I think we had talked about before that stands out is the word, uh, his use of the word trustworthy a couple of times in this passage. Yeah, um, yeah. It says that like he talks about himself being considered trustworthy, that Christ like considers him trustworthy to appoint him to this ministry. And also that like the gospel is trustworthy. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you could speak to Paul's use of that word or or what you make of that. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, I, I find it really interesting that the that word is applied both to Paul and to to the gospel, you know, him using mm-hmm. it in those two different senses there. And it just it just really strikes me how Paul is able to say, God considers me trustworthy, right? Mm-hmm. Again, with like the big personality and the conviction, but it's it's a conviction rooted in reality and in his real encounter with Jesus, he realizes, you know. God didn't have to choose me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of other very qualified candidates, but God God did choose me, right? Um, and therefore, he must consider me trustworthy. 
And I, I think, you know, that's something to really take to prayer and, and to meditate mm-hmm. on because God, God places that same trust in each of us, you know, in, in all the, the areas and the spheres of our life. He really trusts us with a lot and he gives us a lot of grace and all the help we need. Right. But he, he does consider us to be trustworthy, you know, to be his, to be in relationship with him and to be his sort of representatives in the world almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just, just that sense which, which is kind of very Pauline, you know, Paul's always coming back to the gospel is trustworthy. You can believe the gospel. And I, I think we kind of need a lot of that today. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just reflecting on what's out there in the world and, you know, all all the things that we don't know, you know, even looking at like media and fake news Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we just had this, this sort of training in the convent on like when not to click on a link in an email. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of deception out there just in like, general living of life right like Mm -hmm. you come up against a lot and it it can be it can be hard to know like what can I trust what what can I believe um and and Paul has the answer right there you can believe the gospel you can believe that Jesus came to save you you can believe that Jesus is with you and and sometimes you know I've found at least I I need to repeat that to myself you know Mm -hmm. um and actually say the words and remind myself like no this this is reality like I can believe this um, right. For all the things going on around me that that I don't know what to believe about, that the fact that Jesus came and saved me and is with me, I can believe that. Absolutely. I think, yeah, just to go back to sit and meditate on the fact that God considers us trustworthy and what mm-hmm. he has entrusted us with. I think, you know, you and I aren't parents, but I think for parents to like be entrusted with children to take care of them. And, and then even for you and I, in our mission, what we're called to, um, I'm entrusted with children's spirituality every day and like their mm-hmm. souls, you know, and, and you are entrusted with all of the tools and the messages that you have been given, you know, by Christ as well in your vocation and that you're guiding women in their vocations. Like that's huge, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's overwhelming to think about, but then to, to really meditate on, but he gave us these calls because he trusts us, you know, um, which is beautiful. Right, right, yeah, and it's never separated from the the call, which is rooted in the mercy of God, right? So it, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying a minute ago, like I don't have it all together, and you know, I mm-hmm. I know what I'm not good at, right? Like I see very clearly what I'm not good at, um, in my trying to to do the mission that God has entrusted me. But but it's all sort of part and parcel with like God considers me trustworthy. Therefore, even in the areas where I'm, where I feel weakest, you know, in the areas mm-hmm. where I feel I'm going to mess up the most, like that's where he is present the most. And that's mm-hmm. when he is the most merciful. And um, yeah, just kind of like a great big connection there. Yeah. I love, I love that. It gave me a little bit of chills. Like, cause again, for me reflecting on that weakness and that weakness is where I cling to him and that he mm. still deem, deems me trustworthy, even despite my flaws and weaknesses. And I just feel like Paul, is very aware of that. And to go back to what you were saying too about, you know, both of us work in media and are very aware of, I, I don't know, I don't know about you if, if you feel this because you did journalism, uh, you know, a little bit around the same time that I did. When I was getting my degree in the early 2000s, I had no idea <laughs> what we it would be using it for, right? you know, like, we'd, I don't, like now that I teach journalism and, and I'm just like, yeah, I studied this, but not in the way that <laughs> okay, I we use it today or thought we'd need it. But but how important it is and and for Paul to say that to be convinced that this is trustworthy, that we know this message is trustworthy because trustworthy messages, like you said, are 
few and far between these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's really true. I, I remember thinking back to my journalism classes and I had to do stuff like, you know, you get a fact sheet and you have to write a story in eight minutes. And like that was them preparing us for like the journalism of then, which is nowhere near <laughs> the journalism of now, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I just did a lesson today. So I use this um, news literacy project, uh, Checkology website with my students because there's just so much and it's hard to, to come up with lessons on my own because there's so yeah. much to pull through. But just getting them to realize, is this a straight news piece that lets me think for myself? Is this a, an opinion? Is this an opinion piece? Is this provoking me? Is this trying to sell me something? Like there's so many questions they have to ask themselves when they just read like a couple of sentences, you know, or yeah. like watch a minute video. But anyways, that's, that's, that's related. It's Pauline. It's Pauline. <laughs> it's media. It's, <laughs> it's about truth, right? <laughs> right. So, um, Sister Emily, what else would you like to say about this passage as we start to wrap up here? Anything else you want to say about it before we wrap up? Yeah, I guess, you know, sometimes when you when you scan a passage, like certain words just sort of jump out at you. And I, I was just looking at the beginning where, where Paul says, I am grateful to him who has strengthened me. Um, and just, just his sort of jumping off point being gratitude for, for God's mercy and grace. I, I know that has a lot to say to me, you know, because I, I often go to God and it's kind of like, okay, like this went wrong and that went wrong and I need help with this and yada, yada, yada. But Paul, you know, it, it, that'll all come later. Like he's not shy about telling God <laughs> what needs to go right and what needs to go what correct. Mm -hmm. but, but just that gratitude to God and that, that whole phrase, I am grateful to him who has strengthened me. You know, again, that God is Paul's strength. Paul seriously does not consider himself to be like living his own life or being his own strength or speaking his own words. Like he's so inhabited by Jesus that, yeah, it's, it's mind boggling um, and, and kind of mystical too, but mystical in like a really real way. I think. Yeah. Paul says things kind of in similar ways, but they still all grab me. So like this phrase that you just mentioned, I'm grateful to him who has strengthened me makes me think of the song we used to sing in the convent about I know him whom oh, I believe. Yeah. We sang it this morning. Can you believe that? Did you? It was my yeah. favorite. Um, I think just because with confidence, right? And this whole thing, we've talked about Paul's confidence, that he had confidence even in his weaknesses. And I know that that even though this passage doesn't say directly those words of that song, it still is related. It makes me think it's like the same vibe, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, there's definitely certain themes that grow, go across Paul where you just realize that he he sort of distilled his his relationship with God and, and what he wanted to communicate down to like a few things and then and then was just trying to say them in as many ways as possible to get the message across. Oh my gosh, I I love talking about Paul and it makes me think of our my days. <laughs> your days still still your days, but I mean, I don't know, do you have any this is going to put you on the spot. Go for don't it. Don't want it, but um any like positive, fun memories you have of that first year when we entered? Does anything stand out to you that was like oh, a really man. fun memory? You know, I do remember us going out. I don't know if it was once or a couple times, but for coffee and just to sort of chat mm -hmm. about like, what is going on <laughs> like in our <laughs> formation? And this is such a different way of living. And, and I remember that being like a really a good reality check. Yeah. And, you know, just having someone to sort of live through that first year with was, was a real blessing. And I don't know. I feel, I seem to remember like a lot of walks. Mm -hmm. I guess that was our oh. main form of, <laughs> of <laughs> We fun, did do a right? lot of walks, a lot of trips to, um, well, to the seminary because we would drive to go to class. Oh, that's um, right. 
I remember lots of car car rides and to go yeah. drop off recycling at the recycling center. Okay, I was um, talking about that with another sister today because apparently they don't have to do that anymore. Now they get picked up. The recycling gets. It was up. like a cathartic, especially because I was like going through something that year. Like it was definitely like <laughs> cathartic to like have the organization of it and then to just like toss. I don't know. Yeah, it you was, had to like pitch it into the. Yeah. <laughs> it's very like. But yeah, so I have a lot of good memories. I loved like so many moments in prayer and yeah. just interacting with the sisters and you and going yeah. to classes. And so it was definitely like, I mean, it did its job. It was like discernment, which is the point, right? So. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think it's so beautiful, you know, to that we have been able to keep in touch and, and mm-hmm. are, are able to, you know, even in a certain sense, we're, we're both communicating the gospel in the way that right. God has, has called us to. And it's, it's such a beautiful example to me of like what, discernment and following Jesus is supposed to be, you know, we're, we're supposed to follow Jesus, <laughs> period. Yeah. And that might lead you into the convent and you might stay, or it might lead you into the convent and then it might lead you out of the convent and, you know, it might, it, it could lead you anywhere. <laughs> Jesus could lead you anywhere. But the important thing is really to be following him. Absolutely. Spoken like a really <laughs> true vocations director, <laughs> which blows my mind because again, we were in formation together. We had the same vocations director we same did. coordinator and now you're that person nice. yeah <laughs> so yeah no that that is the grace of god because who would ever have thought i mean it's it's beautiful it truly is well sister emily thank you so much for taking the time to to do this um is there anything else you wa- do you want to promote or plug at the end here to let us know to check out um just to let people know that we we do have um vocation retreats and other um, events online. Um, and eventually, of course, we'll have them in, in person again. <laughs> so if people follow us on social media at Daughter St. Paul, um, they'll, they'll always find like the most, most recent um, goings on there, I guess. <laughs> I remember you saying something earlier that uh, like actually during the pandemic, because I've talked to a different sister on a different episode, who's a vocations director for the Benedictines in Virginia, oh, yes. and just how difficult it is right now for maybe like in my mind, but you said that like your guys are not having that much difficulty with um, connecting it's, with young women right it's now. It's weird. Yeah, there's I mean, there's a clear disadvantage to not being able to invite women actually into the convent to, you mm-hmm. know, like the Experience. come and see part yeah. is a little bit curtailed right now, yeah. um, which which is crucial, right? When you're discerning, you definitely yeah. want to go visit. This is what you're discerning with. Um, but we've had God has really blessed us and we've had a lot of success with online um, vocation retreats and online discernment events. I think because it allows women who, you know, maybe they don't quite want to commit to actually going to a come and see retreat yet, but they're interested, they're curious, mm-hmm. they want to learn a little bit more. So an online retreat is kind of the perfect, um, perfect thing. And we've, we've been able to keep up with a lot of women, you know, online and on the phone. And, um, and I think, I think especially during the lockdown, people were just sort of like, questioning their life. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I, I got so many inquiries in like March, April, May um, from from women who were just sort of thinking for the first time, like, okay, what does God, what does God want me to do? And it was kind of the first time they were asking themselves that question. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of beautiful fruit in the midst of a very sort of strange time, but yeah. Well, it's that time for self-reflection that we were talking there about, you right? Go. <laughs> it's bringing it all back. <laughs> um, well, thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow me at Seven Mile Chats on Instagram, you can follow me and message me if you want to talk scripture. You can also find me on Twitter at Mistruckly One, M S S T R U K E L One, and I post a lot about education stuff on Twitter. So feel free to follow me there. 
And again, Sister Emily, it was so good to talk to you. Thank you Thanks, for being here. Julia. It was great. Thank you. Bye, everyone.